You're listening to the Women's Hope Podcast of the Masters University with Dr. Shelby Cullen and Kimberly Cummings. Join them as they bring hope and encouragement through 25 years of combined experience in biblical discipleship and counseling as ACBC counselors. Shelby and Kimberly provide biblical and practical wisdom by coming alongside women with the teaching and resources necessary to grow in the grace and the knowledge of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Welcome, everyone, to Women's Hope Podcast, and welcome to my favorite podcast co-host, Kim Cummings. How are you, friend? Are you surviving this atmospheric river that we just had? I was so <laughs> thankful to see sunshine this morning. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I just kept looking to see if there were any flooded spots around my house. It just got so wet. Yeah, it was- for Southern Californians. That was a lot for us. There's a lot of rain, <laughs> a lot of things going on there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I knew that it was an ordeal when my phone went off with a message from TMU. <laughs> yes. Remind, you know, telling us to watch out and, you know, things had been postponed for the mm-hmm. morning and things like that. So, yeah. yeah, that was a day of Zoom classes for me. I bet. I bet. Yeah. I mean, freeways are flooded. You know, it's just stay yeah. home. It was Stay a crazy home. day. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad you're here. We're in the studio. And yeah. It's nice to see you. You look very see. nice today. Oh, too and sweet. Yeah. It's always good to be with you, friend. Oh, same, same. Well, we're here uh, today. We're going to continue to discuss essential elements of a Christ-centered women's ministry. And today, Kim and I are just excited to hone in on another essential element of women's ministries, um, which is really thinking through building Christ-centered relationships through one anothering well. But before we delve into today's today's topic, we want to revisit our first two episodes because it has been probably a couple weeks since you've listened to the last one. And we just want to make sure that we bring everyone up to speed and before we kind of dive in today. But Mm -hmm. We actually spent the last couple of podcasts really um, working hard to develop a theological foundation in women's ministries within the local church. And um, boy, spent a couple hours talking about that, didn't we? (laughs) And it was so rich. It was very rich. And in essence, um, I think if I were to say it in a nutshell, what we tried to emphasize was that Christ must serve as the cornerstone Mm -hmm. of women's ministries. He's the cornerstone of our life, so why wouldn't he be the cornerstone of our ministry? Absolutely. (laughs) He is the key to everything. Um, I often teach that to my students in my biblical counseling classes. Christ is the key to everything. Mm -hmm. We also underscored the indispensable role of God's sufficient word. It is our guiding compass God, in his kindness, really, has bestowed upon the believer his word, which gives us everything for life and for godliness, Um, and it offers, obviously, wise direction for our life as well as women's ministries. So we spent a good amount of time talking through that. I love talking about God's word, and I know you do as well. And then we got into a discussion about just the significance of being women of sound doctrine or adhering to sound doctrine. We know that we are our theology and um, sound doctrine molds our character and it it serves as our guiding method in planning uh, within women's ministries. So 
that's a big important aspect of it. Um, and so we, we enjoyed talking about that as well. And then we got into the practical. We began to explore the, just the practice of discipleship within ministry. Um, I always argue for the fact that God calls us to be his disciples. So we're disciples of Christ, but that's not all there is to it. We're also called, we think of the Great Commission to disciple others. And so we're sharing, proclaiming Christ, while at the same time coming alongside others and teaching them the very things we've been taught by Christ, Mm -hmm. uh, teaching them to observe those things. And we summed it up in one of my favorite phrases um, or emphases that I've used over the years that Christ must be our foundation, the word, our compass, sound doctrine, our method, and discipleship, our practice. I think that sums it up pretty well. But today, what we want to do is we want to explore more to just this theme of discipleship, it, it with which is obviously a foundational practice within the body of Christ, and specifically, we want to explore what the Word of God reveals about how believers interact with one another um, according to the Word of God. This is a crucial aspect that really shapes the atmosphere mm-hmm. of our women's ministry, ultimately, of course, glorifying God, because we definitely want to be about that. But we do that through love. Um, I came across right when Kim and I were um putting our notes together. It was so sweet because I, at the time, was reading a really great article. There's a website, Cripplegate, and it has some wonderful um, men of God just writing on different topics. And I was reading an article called, Who is Jesus, a Good Shepherd? And so the author is reflecting on Jesus's sacrificial act of laying down his life for a sheep. Um, and, And so... I thought that it was really, it really spoke to what you're about ready to go into. I just really, really enjoyed it. Um, the author's name is Rob Bernanski, and um, he says this, that all believers in Jesus Christ have the same shepherd and are the same flock. That unity should express itself in how we love and treat one another in the local body of Christ. If there is one thing the world should see from Christian congregations, it is that we love one another and we're unified under the good shepherd. There will be times and we will certainly disagree with one another about various issues, but we should always desire to glorify our good shepherd who laid his life for us. In fact, we should be so overwhelmed by, by the grace that Christ has shown us laying down his life for us while knowing everything about us that we are quick to forgive, to show mercy, to show love, and to preserve the unity of the spirit in the church. I thought that just beautifully summed up where we're going today, or at least it opened where we're going. Let's oh, put it that absolutely. way. Absolutely. It, it, again, emphasizes the foundation, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it goes out to, this is what the watching world is seeing when mm-hmm. they look at the church. Yeah. Lord willing. Lord willing. Right. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> right? That's what we that's what we desire. We should desire. Um it's so so crucial mm-hmm. when we think that this is an opportunity for the gospel when you carry it all the way out. Mm. But yeah, very very good quote. I'll have to go and read that article by Brunansky. So in again, are we spurred to a biblical motivation for unity? 
not just a behavior, right? Just behaving a certain way, but maybe feeling a different way on the inside. Mm -hmm. This is a motivation that we have that is rooted in the work of Jesus Christ, our good shepherd. I like how the picture, we're the sheep, right? We all have the same shepherd. That's right. So that's really good. And I, I love the timing just of you and I being together uh, because of what we're talking about. And we're just right here on the cusp of Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we we see people have this perspective of love that we sort of have adopted from the world that really doesn't portray the love that's in the scriptures. And so I think it's really fun that you and I are getting to just look at these passages about love and really setting our minds uh, towards that biblical love when the world is telling us at every department store that we go to <laughs> that there's a different type of love. Right. Right. Mm. So the one and others are rooted in the love of God. Amen. Uh, not a Hallmark card. <laughs> um, we love because he first loved us. It's not the other way around. And uh, scripture tells us in 1 John 4, Beloved, let us love one another for, because or since, love is from God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God. Hmm. That's a pretty straightforward statement mm -hmm. about biblical love. And our response to God's love, because it says, for God is love. This is his very essence of who he is. He is love. He has bestowed love upon us. And we love because we have been loved. It's so beautiful. And this love that we are showing to others, we can't manifest on our own. We might be able to muster up something like, again, that Hallmark Channel, right? But biblical love stems from the love of God. I love what Paul says in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 and 10. And he's encouraging this fledgling church, right, who is doing very well. Um, but he says, now as to the love of the brethren... You have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed, you do practice it toward all the brethren. I like that all-inclusive word, all, all there, right? All means all. <laughs> yes, and that's all it means. Um, who are in all Macedonia, we urge you, brethren, to excel still more. So we're encouraged in Scripture that we are always going to be growing in our love for the brethren. None of us have arrived. So he's saying, you're doing a great job. Keep at it. Until we are glorified, we are to be loving one another and growing in that love. And so I have a long way to go. I don't know about you, Shelby, but I realize the more I grow in my walk with the Lord— how much I need to grow in my love for others. So um, it's something that we are constantly 
working on. Um, and the, the author here is he's graciously just letting us know, keep it up, excel still more. I use that statement all the time when I'm encouraging women who are doing something well, excel still more, keep at it. So we haven't arrived. The love um, should be characterized in our women's ministry as love that comes from God, right? Um, not just a get-together to hang out, right? But something that is rooted in this deep love. Oh, the Father's deep, deep love for us that we should love one another. So, um, and if we're not doing that, we probably will have a women's ministry that is not genuine or sincere, but instead it'll promote a bit of a hypocrisy, right? Mm. Um, we might put on a good face, but it's not genuine from the heart. And I love what Romans 12 10 says. It says that our love is to resemble that familial love or brotherly love, preferential love, and we're honoring one another. So ladies, if we love our agendas more than our women, it'll show. If you've ever had a women's event, you know that you can have 10 women come to an event with 10 different agendas, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and so um, I've always joked that sometimes women's ministry is like herding kittens. Well, sometimes after a big event, I've learned that it's herding kittens with agendas <laughs> and they all have their own agenda. And so if we come with this preferential love and this love that is honoring and familial, those agendas take a back seat. And that's a beautiful women's ministry. And the, I'm very blessed that I belong to a women's ministry like that. And I'm so thankful for that. So this love uh, is also to be ever increasing and abounding. Um, it isn't manufactured through programs and events, Shelby. Those things are not bad. They're not wrong. But this love grows from the Lord. So when we have a church and a ministry whose focus, like you said, is on Christ and his word, then he will be directing us in his love, and we will be like that church of Thessalonica and who were taught by God. And that's a good church to be like. And I like what it also says in First Thessalonians uh, 3.12. It says, and may the Lord cause you to increase and abound. Again, we don't stop growing. I tell the women, we grow until we go. We just, <laughs> until glory, we are going to, Lord willing, be growing. And I love how Paul, when he gets into his second letter of Thessalonians, that he noticed that their faith had been greatly enlarged and that their love for one another had grown even greater. Hmm. So there was this evidence of growth, right? That there was, even though they were doing great, they also took command, uh, to heart that command uh, to excel still more, and they did it. So we can't manufacture this. This is a work of the Holy Spirit in obedient hearts. And uh, I love what First Peter one twenty two tells us. It says, since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. 
So we see this as a heart issue, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, when we aren't fervently loving, we need to stop and do a heart check, right? I know I have to do those heart checks a lot, (laughs) a lot. So one of the things that we strive to do in our women's ministry is use our small group time of Bible study to ask soul-provoking questions that are going to point women to the truth in their responsibility to obedience to the word. Um, And it's this kind of love that will also cover a multitude of sins if we are keeping fervent uh, in this love. And we see that further down in 1 Peter 4. So um, as we're getting together in groups, we're spurring one another on, and you're going to touch on that yeah. a little bit, right? Yeah. And and if if our small groups aren't doing that, then maybe there's an opportunity to to look at that and see how you can better use that time that can be used for sweet one anothering and, and fellowship. And um, honestly, this is evidence of our salvation. 1 John 3, 11 is very clear. He says, this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and we love one another. This is the fruit. The fruit of the spirit is what? Love. Love. (laughs) It starts with love. It starts with love, just as he commanded us. So, ladies, this love is from God and It is manifested in his chosen ones. So one of the things that I think that we need to be mindful about in our women's ministry is that there shouldn't be a spirit of competition, comparison. Um, These type of things are not rooted in love or in Christ, right? So that's something that we want to evaluate when we see maybe in the women's ministry, if or even women are guilty of comparing our women's ministry to other churches, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That's why I love what you and I are getting to talk about, because it's not about this church does this, that church does that, which are all helpful, beneficial things. I've robbed many a great idea from many (laughs) great people. Sure. Right? Yeah. But that's not the foundation. And so we we want to be careful that we aren't comparing. Remember, we're in a body of believers that God has providentially placed us in. And so we want to focus on loving those people well. Mm. Um, so, Shelby, we have focused on, I think, the foundation of love. But why don't you continue and why don't you tell us the the why? Why? the one another's are essential to women's ministry. Yeah, sure. You know, um, just kind of thinking about that last comment that you made, one of the goals I had for that class I teach on women's ministries was to have like-minded women um, come from different churches, you being one of them. You know, they all, um, I think I have four or five women come in as guest speakers. And I think because we all share the same theological foundation, Mm -hmm. Um, and we're active in the one another and in the way in which you speak, you see that sort of commitment to the word in that way, but the application of that might look different in each women's ministries. Absolutely. But they all have the same mind in all these things that we're talking about. So, yeah, we're not going to get caught up in, you know, how you should do a retreat. We're just saying, let's lay the foundation and talk and talk about what undergirds that, you know, the exactly. main thing, the main yes. thing. Because it's really a 
an act of worship, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. But you want me to talk a little bit about the why, um, why the one another's are essential. And I think probably this is an obvious one, but as just a first point, I mean, honestly, Kim, they're commands mm-hmm. <laughs> in Scripture. <laughs> you know, they're not suggestions. You know, when you, you look at the Scripture and you look at each one of these you realize, wow, that's a command for me to do. You know, love one another. That's a command. That's that's super important. And I I think what what underscores that um, is is the passage that's in Matthew twenty two. Mm-hmm. I read it to my class this morning, which is interesting that that I'm talking about it now. It's fresh in my mind. But in it, um, in Matthew twenty two thirty four to forty, uh, Jesus is being asked a question. Um, he's being tested in a sense, and he's being asked, what what is the greatest commandment, basically? And he replies by emphasizing two greatest commandments, of course, the first one being the greatest, right, which is to love the Lord your God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he goes on to say that the second one is like it, that we're to love our neighbor as ourself. And I've studied that passage quite in depth, and I know that those commandments really are inseparable. Right. And what I mean by that is growing close to God, as you were, like you were saying, as you grow close to the Lord, it should involve growing close to people. That's why we get burdened when we, when we, <laughs> we are growing close to God, like you were saying, and we're like, I need a lot of prayer because I, I know that I need to love others. I mean, that's just a command. I don't think we do that well naturally. We almost have to <laughs> Have the spirit to do it well, right? I know I don't do that naturally. Well, <laughs> I mean, we're all always trying to ask the Lord for help to be compassionate, and you know Absolutely. things like that. But another way to say that is our love, the way in which you're speaking, our love for others re- should reflect our love for God. So, if there's not a love for others in the way Jesus is talking, you really do have to examine your heart because there's something deficient there in your love for God. I believe. While we may accumulate Bible knowledge, we all go to churches that teach well, and we're thankful for that. Um, true growth in Christ-likeness involves Bible knowledge for sure, but also involves actively serving and loving others in the body of Christ. And I think the reason for that is because you have to, you're forced you're forced to live out the one another's with people. I mean, people are complicated. They're not perfected. The sight of heaven, uh, we get into conflict with one another. Mm-hmm. We have to learn how to be patient with one another. I mean, so many things there, and so you have to constantly depend upon the Lord to help you <laughs> to grow in love for others. I mean, well, I think of it's family, just, right? Yeah, I mean, that family. familial love. <laughs> I mean, it, we are, I was just uh, looking at a passage this morning that it's just so clear that ultimately we are, we are a body of Christ, but we're a family in Christ, mm-hmm. you know. We I always all joke, have that I quirky my, family member. <laughs> yeah, well, I always joke with my students that, you know, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, but I'm much older than you. I might be like a mom in Christ to you. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But another crucial passage uh, that, that really speaks to this um, love is John 13, 34 to 35. You know, Jesus tells us quite clearly he's giving the disciples in that context a new commandment. So again, we're talking about the fact that these are commands, not nice suggestions. And he clearly says that we're to love one another as he has loved us. 
you know. Um, so it's not a feeling. Like you were saying, this is not a Hallmark card. Although there's nothing wrong with Hallmark cards. We're not saying that. But this is not the kind of love that Jesus is talking about. He's talking about evidence of genuine saving faith. That's the bottom line. When we're loving one another in the way Jesus is talking about. When you see that manifested in a person's life, it's also evidence that you're born again, right? Um, our love for one another as believers should mirror Christ's sacrificial love. The term new in John 13, 34 doesn't imply novelty, but rather a renewed emphasis and manifestation of love through Christ's example. He is our perfect example mm-hmm. of love. And so right. we look to him. And so these interactions that we have with one another in the body of Christ should demonstrate to the world the, the transformative power of Christ's love in our lives. I mean, that's the whole thing. The world is watching. Are they going to know that you're a disciple of Christ? How are they going to know? They don't see you like, you know, in your private uh, prayer times or your Bible reading times, maybe, but they see you interacting with one another. So (laughs) they're going to know you by your love or not. (laughs) Right. That's important. Um, Another passage I was thinking through was something that illustrates neighborly and brotherly love, really, is something that Paul talks about in Galatians 6, 9 to 10. He says they're not to lose heart. In doing good, he's speaking to believers. For in due time, he says, we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, but especially to those who are in the household of the faith, of the faith, you know, believers. Um, It's an interesting passage because what we see there is a little bit of God's common grace. You know, he loves all image bearers for sure. But there seems to be a special love for those who belong to the household of faith, Mm -hmm. believers. And so we love our neighbor by loving one another well in the body of Christ. I mean, we do good to our literal neighbors, I'm sure. I have nice neighbors. You have nice neighbors. Mm -hmm. But thinking through this idea of loving one another well, especially in the body of Christ, you know, what is that looking like in our women's ministries, right? That's our sphere of influence. Absolutely. And I think that truth deeply shapes our understanding of the doctrine of the church, right? Um, we have to think about it at that level. Uh, we, we call it ecclesiology because the Lord provides the church with these one another commands to ensure its construction, if you will, according to his divine blueprint, rather than being influenced by our, our human thoughts and desires. And we know that <laughs> when we lean on our own understanding, when it comes to some of these things, it's it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. We want to look to God in his word, right? And we've all yeah. seen those churches. It's <laughs> like, oh, they're imitating the world. Yeah. And you want to be careful about that, mm-hmm. right? We don't mm-hmm. want the culture to have a bridge into the church. We want to have a bridge into the world or just the influence that we want to have. Um, and so we've got to be careful about those things. And um you know, I have stories there, too, but I'll, I'll, I don't want to digress. I'll move on. <laughs> but um, one example I have about this as far as uh, just the importance of the doctrine of the church and the one another's is G- Jesus and the disciples underscore the significance of our interactions with one another. Um, you often read them emphasizing caring for one another 
bearing with one another in their burdens, honoring each other. You brought that up. Singing to one another even, which I think is interesting. Doing good to each other and forgiving one another. And among those commands, as you emphasize, Kim, is just this paramount directive that binds everything together in perfect harmony, and that's just to love one another. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I someone expressed this once, and I, I just think it's wonderful that the one another's are nothing less than the life of Christ at work in the people of Christ for the glory of Christ. What a great statement. I mean, that's so true. Um, this this goes on to say that that they believers are earthly dramas of heaven realities or i should say they meaning the one another's are earthly dramas of heaven realities they are the love of christ played out on 10,000 stages hmm. right the one another's reflect the mind of christ it it offers his welcome Uh, It speaks to his words, it shows his love, and it gives his grace. And we're going to attempt later to sort of categorize the one another's um, ourselves. But, you know, I love that um, because we see implications um, in that, meaning that as we discern um, what the Word of God says and we kind of take into account some of these things I've quoted, if the one another's are absent— from women's ministries, if it's completely devoid of these things that we're talking about, I think it's probably pretty fruitless. It's going to be pretty surfacey, right? And oh, yeah. um, and so we have to be careful. Like, why why are we doing this? Um, and so, yeah, just thinking about that on a on a much deeper level. Um, but there are commands. I, I but another aspect is just the fact that the one another's. Um, you know, the one another commands is just their role as a means of grace in a believer's life. God has appointed various avenues to extend his grace to all of us. I mean, we know what some of those things are, like when you go to church on Sunday and your your pastor has been preparing a, a wonderful sermon and you are hearing the preaching of the word, um, when you um, are praying, that is a means of grace. When you read scripture you know, that's a means of grace. God's illuminating your mind. He's convicting you. I mean, just this morning, just thinking through, I was reading through Hebrews 12, and it, it God got me on a, a long dialogue in my mind about it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just the way he illuminates our mind. Um, believer's baptism is a means of grace, uh, the Lord's Supper, of course. Um, and the reason why those are, are there is to strengthen our faith. Not as works, but as ways in which God wants us to grow in his grace. And so when you think about the one another's, um, an aspect of that is just the biblical fellowship that we have with one another. That is a means of grace. You know, when the one another's are displayed with one another. (laughs) You know, I think of when I was kind of writing this, the one verse that came to mind um, because it shows involvement and the command is sheep to sheep. It's not pastor to, to sheep or anything. It's actually to one another. Mm-hmm. But at one point in First Thessalonians, um, Paul is telling the believers there, you know, um, part of being in this community of believers is we need to admonish one another when a person's unruly, you know, and there's a whole context to that. I, I think people were kind of lazy in that culture, perhaps. And he was saying, if you see that, you need to admonish them because mm-hmm. there's an unruly spirit there. 
But you might see somebody in your Christian community that's very faint-hearted. They're small-souled. They're struggling. And so you need to come alongside and encourage them. Or you might have believers in your community that just have come to Christ, or maybe they're weak just in their faith for a variety of reasons. Well, you need to come alongside them and you need to help them. But overall, you need to be patient with all men, you know, and that's that long, steady patience that God shows us. And I just love that engagement. Um, I love that seeking to sharpen one another, uh, to love and good deeds. I think that's part of it. Just the involvement. You can tell there's a community. You can tell that when we do that by God's grace, because we do all those things by God's grace, of, for, of course, you know your faith is strengthened, right? Because those are hard things to do, speaking the truth and love to people when you mm-hmm. need to and stuff like that. Um, so there's that aspect. And then uh, just also thinking through how the one another's are a practical guide for believers on how to live in light of all that Christ has done for us and the example that he has set through our union in him. So when we practice these commands, not only do we experience personal growth, but it contributes to the growth of others when we disciple or when we evangelize, right? The Great Mm -hmm. Commission. That's really important. Um, I would say that church is more than attending a sermon and then leaving. I don't know if this is um, Steve Lawson. I think it is, but it's more than just sitting, soaking, and souring. (laughs) You know, it's a church. There's more to it. It's obviously active involvement with one another. Um, And this emphasis is clear in Scripture. I think of maybe a Colossians 3, 11 to 17, and what you see there is Paul outlining the believer's new character. I mean, you see a new character We're urged to live out commands like putting on hearts of compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience comes up again (laughs) with one another. And he talks about love, again, binding all of those things and also forgiving. And when we're doing all of those things, you see this unity amongst the body of Christ, and that should really reflect the peace of Christ. Um, I would say furthermore that our words are to be rooted in the word of of Christ. And so just kind of going back to that idea about being really careful about what we're doing in our women's ministries, where's what we're saying rooted in, right? Mm -hmm. And just everything done in community should be done in the name of the Lord, you know, because ultimately in our church community, like we've argued already, Christ is all and he's in all, you know, Mm -hmm. he's the head of the church. And so when we engage in the one another's, we are simply reflecting the image of Christ, because he does does all of those things perfectly. And that's significant, because, Kim, there are over 50 one another's <laughs> mentioned in Scripture. And it's pretty mind-boggling, I should say, to categorize them. But I think we should try to bring some clarity to this conversation. And I know that you've worked hard to divide them because you've done a lot of writing on this and even talk about the value of each category and even emphasizing the importance of it, um, you know, just in maintaining a vibrant and biblical woman's ministry. Um, and then I think we should probably share some practical examples there because that that kind of helps with people thinking through these things well, you know, so it's not just a intellectual head knowledge mind thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You want to comment some on that? Yeah. So 
I was thinking how this really falls nicely on the heels of uh, when we did our series on complementarity in the local church. Yeah. Um, Because as women, as we obey these commands in the context of women's ministry, it really brings a richness of how we as women are blessing the entire body uh, and the leaders of our church. Mm. Right. Uh, I love it when the leaders see something special about our women's ministry, not as a pat on the back, because Christ is being glorified, right? Yeah. Uh, Not anything that we did, but that Christ is being glorified. I love that. So it encourages our leaders as they see us simply playing out biblical principles in the specific area of women's ministry. We are complementing, so to speak. So. We've already touched on this, but our women's ministries should promote harmony. We see in Romans 12, 16, and again in 15, 5, that there is this this idea of harmony. Uh, It says that we are to be of the same mind toward one another. Uh, Do not be haughty in mind. Hmm. Uh, That's the idea that we've got it all together and we know. We can tell everybody how the cow ate the cabbage, right? (laughs) As I learned (laughs) from my dad when I was a little girl. Um, But we're not to be haughty in mind, but we are, again, to associate with the lowly. Uh, So there is this idea that we are all together, not this idea of cliques Mm -hmm. that can happen Mm -hmm. in a women's ministry, right? Mm -hmm. Then it it goes on to say, do not be wise in your own estimation, Uh, So when we seek to have the mind of Christ, we will be like-minded in our women's ministry because we are getting it straight from the Word of God. We are getting it from the character of our Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. And as we play that out, we will have that same mind um, together. And um, we are also to be accepting of one another Now, do not hear what I am not saying. (laughs) Acceptance is not just ignoring sin or something that is going to be harmful, not only to a sister in Christ, but to the body of Christ and just letting it go. That's not what we're talking about. Mm. And I'll touch on that in a little bit. But this idea accepting one another Mm. is the idea that we're not cliquish, right? Um, And one way to, I practically try to deter this, uh, and because I learned from someone who learned the hard way, (laughs) Mm. and and sadly, they had some cliques going on, and they had to deal with it within their women's ministry, is I switch up our small groups every year. Hmm. Um, we could stay together, and I'm sure our church would handle that well. But when you have new people coming in and when you live in such a, a transitory society like we do in Los Angeles where people are coming and going all the time, I just like mixing it up. So every year we switch our small groups around, and that way we can um, – be accepting of one another and get to know one another on a more intimate level because we're applying the scriptures that we're learning in Bible study together and we're praying for one another. So that broadens that out, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's just a a preference that we have at our church and that uh, I've been doing 
since we've been at our church for six years. And I think it works really well. Um, And being intentional in how you group your women in small groups, if you have them, uh, older with younger, don't put all of the 60-year-old women in one group and all the 30-year-old women in another group. Right. Right. We're going to model Titus 2 in that the best that we can uh, with the women who are signed up and and things like that. So you're going to put maturity with those who are newer in the faith, you know, things like that. Um, And I let the women know I've prayed over these groups. I've prayed over this. I I want this to be meaningful and intentional. Mm. And that has seemed to to work well. and we can't be same minded if we're not willing to speak the truth in love to one another, uh, even when it's hard. And those hard times do come. But we know Scripture tells us that the wounds of a friend are faithful. We don't want to be cliquish. We don't want to use flattery. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. We we want to be truthful women. Um, if someone is sluggish in their faith. Balancing, accepting them and exhorting them is something that we want to be faithful in. Um, we want to ask good questions. What's going on? Maybe there's a there's something going on in their faith that uh, is discouraging them. And so they're having a hard time pressing on toward the goal. And so we want to come alongside them. So this is really caring for every part of the whole body like we see in 1 Corinthians 12. So we want to just show that acceptance and love. Again, in family, we accept our family members, right? Um, Even the quirky ones. And (laughs) I'm the queen of quirk. So I'm speaking about myself. So so ask yourself, does your women's ministry promote serving one another? And uh, we'll talk about this more specifically because we use the idea of serving one another in using our gifts, right? Mm-hmm. So we will be talking about that as well. But service is rooted in Christ who did not come to be served, but to serve. And so when we serve, we are modeling that service in humility that Christ served. Hmm. And I think that there's a key there of that humility. So by doing this, that we're helping our women to be good stewards of what God has graciously given them. We're told in 1 Peter 4.10 that we are to steward the the gifts of grace that God has given us. Mm -hmm. So we want to help the women to steward that. Um, I'm not afraid to ask women, what's your spiritual gift? And I'm sure not afraid to help them figure it out if they're not sure, because how will they know if we don't come alongside them and help them with that? Yeah. So this will promote a Christ-centered ministry because the gifts came from whom? Holy Spirit. (laughs) So that is going to help keep our ministry Mm -hmm. on task. So uh, we will also be a burden-bearing women's ministry. Uh, This is where having women uh, who are great at counseling will be a huge asset to your ministry to women. So when I'm talking about burden bearing here, I'm talking, um, there's a couple of aspects of burden bearing. You mentioned Galatians 6, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And not growing weary. The context of that is bearing the burdens of those who have been caught in a trespass, right? Mm -hmm. So when we talk about not growing weary and well-doing, it's when we're bearing the burden of those who are burdened by sin. 
And so when we do that, we want to be good counselors, right? We always say when someone comes to you with a burden that they have and they share something that's going on in their lives, the next thing that you say is counseling. Mm-hmm. And so we want to have good counselors that are going to bear that burden and help them out with that sin so that they can be restored and be fruitful within the body of Christ again. That's right. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I mean, it's part of what Jesus says. It's part of loving your neighbor. That's why you bear bear their burdens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, we also... We've mentioned this a little bit already. We want to be women who are known as having the fruit of patience with one another. We see this in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. Um, Shelby, it says, Therefore, I, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another in love, being diligent to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so here again, we see that bearing up with one another in love, right? And so we want to carry those who maybe are having hard times, right? We, uh, We all have, we hear of a believer who's going through a hard time, The church is there to bear up under them and help carry that burden Mm -hmm. uh, when those hard times come. So it's not just in a moment of sin. That's right. It's even in the suffering, right? Are we bearing with those who may be suffering? Are we patiently bearing with them? So, Shelby, Mm. I've shared a few qualities. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, right, it's like you said, there's over 50. Yeah. And we're trying to just kind of put them in, in little groups to mm-hmm. show the big picture. Yeah. Because yeah. it would be about 50 episodes if we touched <laughs> on every one. I mean, each one you could expand on, couldn't you? They are whole lessons. I mean, well, and so what that shows you is the whole counsel of God supports it. It's mm-hmm. not just one one part telling you to do one thing. It's just really, there's a continuity there. And it, intertwined. It, it, very intertwined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, well, I mean, we also learned that um, Scripture teaches us to regard one another as more important than ourself. I mean, we probably are all pretty well-versed in Philippians. We know it says that. Um, I think of just that verse, you know, that's, that's definitely... Um, Later, you know, Paul talks about having that mind of Christ and um, what Christ has done, you know, that famous kenosis passage and how he emptied himself and obviously made us more important than himself when he died on the cross for our sin. But just thinking through practically when we're considering others more important than ourselves, you know, maybe some of the questions that I'm thinking through is how am I viewing women that are attending my women's ministry mm-hmm. gatherings? Do I really see them as created in the image of God? Do I really see them as women whom I need to love and serve and care for well? Um, Or am I just kind of there with just sort of a what's in it for me kind of attitude? Because that that can happen so easily. You know, you just get caught up in the details and it's almost like Martha. You know, you're, you're not really... 
you're not really worshiping Christ. You're not sitting at his feet. You're not thinking about these things. You're you're just kind of in a tizzy trying to get things done. She actually accused Christ. Don't yeah, he care? He didn't even care, right? It's like Yikes. I know I had read some extra biblical um material on that once and it and it was really funny. It said that the all the disciples kind of took one step over to the right so they wouldn't get <laughs> burnt by the I don't know, fire of God or something. Wow. I thought that was funny. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's really about truly recognizing these women um, as the most important neighbor in the room. Because you were talking about partiality, not having partiality, not having cliques. Um, I think it's refreshing to mix up the groups the way you talked about because even though we get really tight with our groups and that can be really hard for women to do actually um, at the same time look at the benefits of doing that you get you get to meet a bunch of other women I mean you know otherwise you're just here when you can you know meet more and really begin to to put these commands into action so just thinking about that just really what does it really mean to make others more important than yourself um, putting others' needs before yourself, you know, just really honing in on that and not being self-centered. I mean, that's the opposite. Um, the other thing, too, is um, just speaking truth to one another. That's another area of one anothering. And, and it's crucial that when women seek counsel that we speak truth faithfully and, and in love. Mm-hmm. You know, um, hard is the road of a transgressor. So, you know, when you see women um, that are in your sphere of influence, so to speak, and they're veering off when they're literally off track with Christ, are you willing to do like Christ talks about in the parable of the lost sheep to leave the 99 to go after the one? You know, that woman that just suddenly stopped attending your Bible study? What What's going on there? Right. You know, what's happening? Mm-hmm. Um, they withdraw for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Are you willing to call, follow up? see what's going on. How can I help? Is there something wrong? I mean, that's part of, and if there is something wrong, being willing to come alongside and speak the truth to them, you know, maybe, you know how it is. People get out of sorts and maybe they got upset about something and part of the withdrawal is a fruit of bitterness. Are you willing to speak into that? Mm -hmm. You know, are you willing to to talk to them um, in the way that God would have us not giving our own opinion or getting caught up in some gossip fest. But I'm just talking about literally coming alongside and speaking the truth in love. Or just the commands um, all through Scripture that tell us to encourage one another. That involves simple acts. I think we're just trying to put a practical face to this. But simple acts um, in the ladies that we minister to, um, a simple text you know, somebody told you last week such and such is going on. Are you following up to see how they're doing? Are you praying for them? Um, are there burdens that they've shared with you that you need to, you know, burden share like you were saying? And it's kind of an act of comforting. That's that's really what that's meant to do. It's a, it's a practical way to fulfill just that command to comfort one another when you were talking about First Thessalonians, a lot of those people, the faint-hearted, were the ones who thought that their their loved ones who had died were not going to be raptured. Right. And so Paul's trying to comfort them, right, by letting them know that that's that's not truth. You know, mm-hmm. the the real truth is the dead in Christ will go first, right? Right. So that's something. And then also just thinking through seeking good for one another. Um, 
you know, some questions we could ask, because I think seeking good for one another is just kind of straightforward. <laughs> but I think practically speaking, we just have to ask our hearts, when was the last time that I intentionally blessed another Christian? Because there's intentionality in that, um, you know, acts of service, um, expressions of thankfulness. I was so touched. Um, a few months ago, I received, now get this, not an email, but a handwritten note from somebody. Um, it's It really encouraged me because mm-hmm. I think the whole idea of a handwritten note that came in the mail to express something to me, uh, show genuine care and concern. I love that. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, an email would have done the same thing. The words would have been the same, but I don't know. There was just something about the intentional seeking of my good in that moment. I just thought that was really sweet. And and I thought it I need to do that for effort. others. It, you know, it does. It does. Yeah. And it's just just neat, you know. Um, so that encouraged me. But are we, you know, am I intentional about blessing other Christians? And that can have all kinds of application. And then maybe um, additionally there, intentional blessings um, like that, they stir up one another to loving good deeds. Yet another one another command within Scripture for the church community, you know, that's part of of what we do um, in Hebrews. I'm I'm in there right now. This is this is my world right now, and I know mm-hmm. that these believers were um, growing weary. They were sh- shrinking back. They were lacking faith, and so just being able to intentionally come alongside and stir them up, you know, mm-hmm. to it kind of has the idea of sandpaper, you know, literally um, just um, I don't know, coming alongside and and stirring people up, you know, to to go the right direction, to do the right thing. Don't shrink back, you know, uh, walk in faith kind of an idea. Another thought is um, just this within that, I think, um, just making sure we're confessing our sins to one another. I don't think we do that enough, sadly. I think we get prideful there. Um, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another. <laughs> That's fun. I love that, you know, but those are just all expressions of being filled with the Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. And and so, yeah, I mean, look what, ha- look what happens when you're filled with the Spirit. You're singing psalms. You know, you're giving thanks. You're humbly submitting to one another. You're confessing sin because you're being transparent and humble in your heart. You know, it's a blessing. And and the list goes on and on. I mean, we could talk about this for days, Right. But these are just some of the ones that um, that just, yeah, that really um, just seem to, glaring might be the wrong word, but they just stand out to us, you know. And so it's it's fun to be able to talk through these. And so mm-hmm. I appreciate thinking through this in a, a way that impacts our women's ministries. What does this really look like, practically speaking, when we take these into account, right? Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> I... I love how this just flows straight from Scripture. Mm-hmm. We don't have to manufacture Mm-mm. the A-list women's ministry. No. It's all right here in the Word of God. And and I love how this series is really shaping up uh, into something that's not just biblical, but it's so beautiful. I told David every time we work on this. I just get so excited. And I have a great women's ministry. I love the women I work with. And, you know, but it's like, oh, other women are going to get to really enjoy this and evaluate and see where they are in their women's ministry and see how they can excel still more. Mm. And so it's always very exciting. So just a little plug for the Shepherd's Wives Conference. 
uh, we would love to see you there. Shelby and I are both going to be there, and Lord willing. And it's in Jacksonville, Florida, June 13th through 15th at, I believe it's called First Baptist, right? It's, yeah, it's Heath Lambert's church there. Uh, This is the second year for the conference, and I am so excited to see so many women, some that I haven't seen in years, and then meet new women uh, that are in the, the same trenches of ministry and just really get to be there and encourage one another and exercise these things that we're talking about, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just want to plug that. And if you haven't registered, uh, you can do that. You can go to uh, shepherdswivesconference.com uh, and look that up. And they are also on social media for Shepherd's Wives Conference, I believe, is the... Yeah. the you don't have to be a pastor's wife to attend. You do not. Yeah. It is open to all women. And I know specifically we've been talking as women is how we're making this applicable, not just to shepherd's wives. That's right. But to all women. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, be sure to come. We would love to see you there. Ladies, thanks so much for listening to the Women's Hope podcast. We really do appreciate our listeners. Uh, you can also follow the Women's Hope uh, podcast on Instagram Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, We just post encouraging scriptures, and we let you know when a podcast is dropped, and we love hearing from you as well. So we also have the Facebook group where like-minded women uh, can receive helpful resources and tools. Uh, When we see something that has been a good ministry to us, we are quick to share it there for you as well. Um, And be sure to look us up Uh, But more importantly, we pray that you have a blessed day. Thank you for listening to the Women's Hope podcast of the Masters University. For more resources and episodes, visit masters.edu slash women's hope. For more information on the Masters University, visit masters.edu. We'll see you next time.